Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, we are uh, getting toward the end of summer. And uh, if you were here last week, I told you we're taking a short summer series where we're uh, focusing on wisdom and focusing on wisdom from the book of Proverbs. So if you're new this week, glad to have you with us. Uh, Glad to have those who are watching this online or maybe you're listening to this during the week. We're always thrilled that we're able to connect with so many people, not just here on the weekend, but through all the different means that God's given us to be able to do so. And as I said last week, one of the reasons uh, we're doing this series, just based on my estimation as I look around, dumb is on the rise. Seriously, you you look at it and it's not hard to find different examples of it. In fact, I was looking at it, dumb things people have said at work, specifically excuses people have given to HR or their bosses. And so uh, in it, one of them, they said, uh, they asked the HR director, since my mother and father both died before I came to work at this company, will I be credited for bereavement leave that I didn't have to take? You're like, seriously? Someone else asked, can I wear a swimsuit and towel on casual day? Guess they're gonna get right to the beach right uh, after that. Someone else asked, will you give me a raise if I stop smoking marijuana? Someone else said to HR, they complained, they said, every day my supervisor tells me to stop chatting and get back to work. Is he allowed to do that? Uh, Others gave excuses for why they missed work. One employee missed work, said he couldn't come to work because his fortune teller had asked him not to step out of his house or he would suffer a brain hemorrhage. Another employee couldn't come to work because she accidentally got on a plane. An employee couldn't come to work because they were feeling too upset after watching the Hunger Games. One employee said they had to attend the funeral of his wife's cousin's pet because he was an uncle and a pallbearer. This one, maybe it's not so foolish. An employee woke up in a good mood and didn't want to ruin it, so they couldn't come to work. (laughs) And then maybe my favorite, an employee forgot he had been hired for the job. He shouldn't be surprised if they forget that they're supposed to pay him as well. I mean, you look at it and there, there's all these examples of dumb. That's really not what alarms. We've always had dumb people, dumb excuses, dumb things that happen. But specifically, and scripture talks about it and we looked at it last week, there's a difference between dumb and foolish. And, and foolishness has real consequences. And I would say as much as any time as I look through history, especially in our country and in this time period, there there is more foolishness today. The foolishness of thought, foolishness that's spread, foolishness and, and people speak it freely. It's one of the signs of a fool actually. And people are buying it. And so we just want to stop just for a few weeks and go, what does it mean to actually be wise according to scripture? And we're looking at the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, that's filled with just this practical wisdom of life, but it's also spiritual wisdom in it. 
He just reviewed last week, you know, it said wisdom is the right knowledge to make the right decision leading to the right action. Wisdom's always based on what is the knowledge pool that you're making this decision on? What is the knowledge pool that frames the way you see life? And, and part of it is just asking yourself, what am I allowing into my knowledge base? What is talking to me every day? What am I watching every day? What am I looking at online every day? What is the social media feed that I'm following every day? And some of it, you can kind of look at it and you go, well, that's not really shaping me. It has to shape you. If hours of your day, you're letting that grow your knowledge base, it's fundamentally changing your life. So wisdom says, I, I, I want the right knowledge. I want to build off of truth. I want to build off of things that I know are lasting in order to make the right decision. So wisdom is never just about knowing things. It's always, how do I put it in action? That's why when you read through Proverbs, you read through these wisdom books, it's always talking about what you're doing in life, the actions and decisions off of that. And, and it's been said, on average, you make about 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. Now, now, some of them are happening so fast all the time. That's why you always want to ask yourself, though, if I'm making that many decisions, most of them don't have long-term consequences, but you can look over your life and you go, you know, there were key decision points. Sometimes I didn't even realize how important that decision was that changed the rest of my life. And, and not knowing always when you're going to face those decisions, that's why it becomes that much more important that you have the right operating system in place. That I'm building off the right knowledge base so that when I hit those decisions, especially when I hit some of the ones that I don't even realize are going to be so impactful for the rest of my life, it's based on wisdom. So that you can lead to the right action. That's the other thing about biblical wisdom. It's always about action. And so that's why scripture says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. That's why a lot of people say the book of James is like Proverbs in the New Testament. Because James is so much of, how do you take this wisdom, this wisdom based on what Christ has done, this wisdom based on what God's given us, and live a life that I can make right decisions and the right action. We looked at it last week, the beginning point of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the starting point of all wisdom. And, and we looked at that phrase, the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools don't want anyone telling them that either they're wrong or what to do. It's a key signal of a fool. Anytime somebody tells them they're wrong, they get real defensive. Or if anybody tells them what to do in life, very quickly is, who are you to tell me? That's the sign of a fool. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's that building block of wisdom. And we talked about that last week, that, that sense that I have of a big view of God, when I start looking at who he is, especially in looking at who I am. And I put the two of those in comparison. Now, I don't have to be afraid of the Lord, but that's because of Jesus. The only reason I don't have to be afraid of the Lord is because of Jesus. If Christ hadn't come, if Christ hadn't died, if Jesus didn't change me and I was left in my normal condition and you had me and you have God, whew, that's terrifying. In fact, it will be the terrifying part that people face in eternity. When they face a holy, righteous, powerful, omnipotent God 
and they're stuck in their condition. But see, because of Jesus, I, I don't have to be afraid of that. But, and here's the key point, and we talked about it last week, in the same way, I don't want to suddenly take this powerful, holy, omnipotent God and I just lower him down. Since I don't have to be afraid of him with Jesus, I don't fear him. I don't worry about what he says. I, I don't take his word really as his word. You know, a verse I didn't put it on the screen that stood out to me this week is Galatians 6, 7. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that you'll also reap. In Galatians, Paul's saying, hey, you need to hear it. God's not somebody to be ignored. He's not gonna be mocked. He's not somebody that you can look in your life and go, it doesn't really matter what I do. Paul says, God's designed the universe to work in ways. He is wisdom himself. And you gotta pay attention to it. And, and so as we said last week, wisdom starts when I care more about what God thinks than anyone or anything else. When, when I start thinking about life and God is the primary point that I start with and I go, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about my relationships? What do you think about my money? What do you think about my job? What do you think about my life? And so as I'm making those decisions, I always bring God's opinion into it and what he's actually said about it, not what I hope he said or feel he said, what he actually said about it. And that's always framing that. And you reach the point, because here's part of the reason people get stuck in their foolishness. You're kind of on this path and you recognize suddenly, oh, this is foolish. And for you to admit that, it requires humility. It requires, remember I said, fools don't ever like saying they're wrong. And, and other people are going to look at it and go, Whoa, wait, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Oh, you're getting religious now? Oh, you're better than me? Oh, you were hiding that and no one knew? See, I, I think a lot of times, especially in a culture where we're very caught up with each other and we can see each other's lives all the time in social media, I think one of the reasons foolishness continues so much and grows is nobody wants to step back and go, hey, I'm gonna expose myself, I was wrong. I was foolish. Man, I'm recognizing what God's saying here. And that fear of the Lord actually leads to life. No matter who sees it, no matter how embarrassing it is in front of other people. You know, when I think of embarrassment for me, um, you think about just blowing it in front of everyone. When I was a kid, there was a TV show that came on. It's called The Wide World of Sports. Now, this is back in the 70s. It's before ESPN, it's before you, know, you had online or sports highlights or anything else. I mean, Wide World of Sports was much must-watch viewing if you were a sports fan. And it came on every weekend and Jim McKay would start it. And they had this opening montage every week. And every week they'd do you know, The Wide World of Sports. And they, they always had this line, the thrill of victory. When they said the thrill of victory, they'd show all different teams winning and somebody winning a race and you'd see that. And then they had this one line, the agony of defeat. And they showed the same clip every time. The same guy. You remember that? Those of you that were around during Wide World of Sports? Remember it was a ski jumper. It was this guy ski jumping and he's there and he's going down the ski jump and everything's going and then suddenly out of the blue, he just flops over and then flops down the mountain. 
I mean, he looks like he had never done it in his life before. Uh, the, the name of the guy, actually, he's a Yugoslavian ski jumper. Vinko Bogataj. You ever heard that? I didn't know his name. But, but you can, to this day, you can Google agony of defeat and that's what comes up. He's forever marked by that. Now, what we don't realize though is what was going on that day. It was a world championships. It was in Germany. And this was his third run for Vinko. And as he's up there, it was snowing so fast. And as he started down, he realized, I'm going too fast. The, the snow had actually formed ice. And, and he was at the point that he was gonna go so fast that he'd go way too far and land further than the safe zone. And so in this, he's got this split second decision. Do I just ride this out or do I lay it down? And he laid it down. Now he had no clue in that moment he would be agony of defeat guy for the rest of his life. But because he did that, uh, he ended up breaking his ankle and he had a headache. But they, as they looked at it, they stopped all jumps at that moment because they knew if he had gone, it really could have been devastating. Now, now here's the choice he had, embarrassing, painful, but life-saving. Or do I worry too much about what everybody else thinks and everything else and I'm just gonna ride it out and I'll look all the way great until I land potentially at my death. Guys, I, I, I say that because some of you right now, you're on a path and you know it's foolish. You know it's not gonna end well. You know you need to lay it down. You need to humble yourself and even admit you're wrong and other people are probably gonna know as well or get some help from someone else. But, but I implore you, would you allow the fear of the Lord? God's not mocked if what you're sowing, you're gonna reap. Would you allow that fear to actually lead to life instead of the fear of what everybody else thinks leads to worse consequences in it? See, the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the, the foundation. It's the, the starting point with that. If, so if the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, this week I, I want to take the next step. What's the building point of wisdom? So I start with the fear of the Lord. The building point is trust in the Lord. And these two in combination are really powerful. If I start in a place where I go, man, God is a powerful God. God is a holy God. God actually meant what he said and I'm gonna respect that and respect him. That's the fear of the Lord. I start there. I begin in wisdom. Now, I, I wanna grow in it though, because I need it for, I'm, I'm making 35,000 decisions a day. I wanna grow it in life. So the next point is, I grow in trust in the Lord. And probably one of the most famous verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is a great one to memorize with it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. 
If you look at it, you know, sometimes when, when you have a, a verses in here, it, it's hard, it's hard to understand. There's different phrases in it. So you, you kind of rephrase it as a teacher to try to help people understand. This one is about as straightforward as it comes. In fact, I, I just want to walk you through each of the lines on it. Look, look at it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, trust, that, that word trust here in the Hebrew, it's the same word that was used like if a general defeated another general in battle. And so the, the defeated general comes and puts themselves subservient to the other one. Sometimes it was used of a slave and a master. That the, that the servant comes and puts themselves before the master, I am at your disposal. You have control over me. That, that's the picture here that Solomon's writing in Proverbs. That you come to God and you come to him with your heart, your innermost part, the, the, the parts that run so deep. And you lay it before God and you trust him with it. You, you trust him with your life. You trust him with your relationships. You trust him with your money. You, you trust him with any of those things that really run deep in life with that. You trust the Lord. And, and you know, if you're like me, trust is easy when times are good. It's hard when times get difficult, when you can't see what's going on. And this is true of any relationships. With your spouse, I mean, when you're in the good times, it's easy to trust them. You go through hard times, that's when you find out if you really trust each other. You have a friendship or a coworker or any relationship like that. When you come to that place where you go, man, this is more difficult than I thought it was gonna be. Can I really trust that person? Can I trust that they have my back? Can I trust that they're in this for my good? And, and that's the core part that, that Solomon's writing that when you come to your life, you can trust God, even when you don't understand God, even when you can't see exactly what he's doing, or why he's doing it, you can trust that he has your good at heart. You can trust that he knows how life was designed because he's the designer. You, you can trust him with even the most delicate places, even the most tender parts. You can trust God with your heart. With that, he then says, do not lean on your own understanding. The word here, lean, is like a crutch. So when you have a crutch, it's because, you know, it's what I lean on for help. And so look what Solomon says. He says, yeah, so when you lean on something, don't lean on the way you see life. Don't lean on your understanding of life. And, and this is so hard because you look at it. It's one thing for me to say, I trust God. In fact, if I'd asked you at the beginning of this message, you trust the Lord, everybody here would say, oh, I trust the Lord. Do you trust him to the point that you won't lean on or rely on your gut. Do you trust God more than your gut? Do you trust God more than what you feel? We, we talked about that last week, this proverb, there's a way that seems right to a man, to a person, but it's the way of death. See, I, I think this issue is the core issue when we talk about wrestling with foolishness today. Because today, more than any other time, the predominant 
thing that people turn to when they want to say what I believe, what is right, why I'm doing what I'm doing, because this feels right to me. This is how I see life. This is my life. This is what I choose. And, and that trumps anything else. Don't bring outside truth. Don't bring outside teaching. Don't bring your way of life. Don't bring your cultural baggage. All those things in it. I don't want to hear any of those things because the predominant thing for me is the way I see life. And that's what I lean on more than anything else. And, and Proverbs looks at it and says, yeah, and that's the way to death. And, and so even for those of us who say we trust in the Lord, we have to examine, is there anything I'm leaning on more than God? That at the end of the day, if I really looked at it, do I trust God or do I trust my finances? And as long as I have enough finances, I feel really peaceful. And when I don't, I feel really anxious. Oh, that's probably an indicator I'm trusting something more than God. My relationships, my children. You can put anything there that I look at it and go, man, if I've got that in control, if I'm on top of all those things. And, and Proverbs says, no, you, you started a fundamental place. Am I trusting God more than anything else? The problem is we all have this bias. We like to listen to us. In fact, you're so used to listening to you that we don't even realize it at times. I remember years ago, uh, had a messy situation in our church. Had a staff member and their marriage was really struggling and the husband was acting out in some really bad ways. It was messing up his marriage, his parenting, his work and everything. And, and because it was so connected, it came to me and I got one of the pastors in our church that was one of our best counselors. Really great guy. Guy that had been through devastation in his own life and totally rebuilt in life. He was really a great counselor. But my friend Paul, who was the counselor, he was really straight shooter. And I felt like this is exactly what the guy needs. And so they started meeting together and it was going fine for a few weeks. And then I get this phone call. We all need to meet together. Chris, the guy was really upset, really upset. And so we all get together. I'm like, what is going on? And as we get into the meeting, he starts railing on Paul. Well, Paul's doing this and Paul's that and, Paul, and all these things, he's attacking Paul. And, and as he looks at it, he says, I know I'm telling you all these things, but you're probably not gonna believe me. And so I looked at him and said, well, Chris, let me just ask you an honest question. If you were in my shoes and I have the two of you in front of me and over here, I've got Paul who is a respected pastor, who's a known counselor, has a good marriage, involved in his community, well-liked, doing very well in life. And then I got you and your marriage is falling apart and your children aren't talking to you right now because they're so devastated and you're about to lose your job over it. If you were me, who would you listen to? And he said, well, probably him. <laughs> and he started to speak up again. I said, just, just stop for a minute. The question really isn't who I would listen to. The question is, who are you listening to? See, why do you listen to you? Listening to you got you here. In fact, I, I said to him, I said, the last person I would listen to is you. When you tells you to do something, tell them no. <laughs> I 
I said, Chris, here's why I'm saying this. You've got a group of people who want to help you. But you just keep following the same script. And at the base of it, it's you talking to you. Now, guys, it's, it's easy for me to look at that and go, I can't believe that God does that. But I do that. Maybe I haven't blown up my life to that level. But, but there's areas of life, you start looking through your life and you go, oh yeah, Man, that's foolish. Why do I keep doing that? Why, why do I keep following that same pattern? And it always goes back to, well, because I end up leaning on my understanding. I'm leaning on, leaning on what feels right to me or what I've done. And I try to tell myself, if I do it again harder this time, it'll be successful this time. You know what that is? It's foolishness. And, and, and so Solomon says, hey, at the base, trust in the Lord. Do not lean on your understanding. This is a hard principle, especially for successful people. This is a hard principle for smart people. Some of the biggest fools out there are smart fools because they're smart in a lot of life, but they miss the most important things. You know, Rebecca Pippert talked about a conversation she had with a physicist, a renowned physicist, brilliant guy. But, but listen, as he said, he said, I'm a scientist, you know, a rational person. I've never seen much need for God. All my life, I've felt in charge and in control. I've been extremely successful. I've made it to the top. If there's a problem at work, I call a meeting or I write a note to my secretary. It's quickly resolved. Yet nothing is simple or easily resolved at home. My children don't relate to me. They accuse me of trying to control their lives. When I walk into the same room as my son, he starts to stammer because he's scared. What hurts is that they can't seem to appreciate how much I care and that I'm doing all of this for them. But I'll tell you one lesson I've learned. I always said that since I had my children's best interest at heart, they'd be glad for my direction. But my children have taught me the hardest lesson of my life, that I'm not in control over what matters most to me in life. It's funny, but it's now when I see I'm not God that I actually see I need some help. The question of whether there is a God has finally started to matter. You know where this guy is? He's right at the beginning of wisdom. Because he's looking at it and going, for, for all my brilliance out here, it's not working in the places I need it most. And he's opening his life and his heart to the fact, maybe there's a God and maybe he has a way of doing it that makes a difference. See, it, it's starting with this trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And so maybe you're here today and you go, yeah, I've always trusted in God, but now he drives down a little bit deeper. This word ways here in Hebrew, there's four different words for a path, a road, or a way. And, and this word actually, if you translate it in Hebrew, it means the goat path. In other words, especially around Jerusalem and the hillside with it, you, you would go and there'd be different paths. The smallest of paths would be a goat path. 
A path that a goat would go up a, a hillside. You, you would go, this goes down to the smallest of paths. And, and what Solomon is telling us, it's not just asking for God's wisdom in the big decisions of life. It's down to the smallest parts of my life. I, I'm looking at it and I acknowledge him. I go, okay, God, what do you think about this? God, what have you said about this? Now, now hear me. It doesn't mean that you come to a standstill all day long for every 35,000 decision, one of those decisions. You go, okay, what's God's will here? What's God's will here? Most of life he's given you. That's the importance of why you want wisdom. Because as you have wisdom, as you allow his truth to shape your thinking, it gives you that ability in the moment to make the right decision and to make it in a way that you can make the right action off of that. But it is saying that you don't have any part of your life that you go, well, that's, you know, God cares about the big things. Like I believe in Jesus and I go to church and we're Christians. So, you know, I've given him that part of my life, but he doesn't really care about this, does he? Yes, he does. And why does he care? Because remember again, he designed all of life. He is wisdom. And so he really cares that we would submit that we'd place that we'd acknowledge him in every area because he actually wants your life to work he wants it to flourish he wants you to experience it the way he designed it but that takes acknowledging him and, and putting all of my decisions and my feelings and everything under his truth as you do that look what he will make your path straight he will make your path straight. Now, again, let me make sure that we're real clear on this. He's not saying, oh, you're just gonna fly through life and life's gonna be easy. Because remember, there's, there's a lot of foolishness in the world that you have no control over. But here's what it does. Your foolishness is now not compounding the situation. So when you come into a hard situation, because remember, there's people all around you and they're making foolish choices. Some of them live in your household. Some of them you're in a relationship with. And so maybe you're in a marriage right now where your spouse is making really foolish choices and it's destroying your marriage and it's hurtful. Here's what our natural, what we lean on. My understanding, if they hurt me, then I'm gonna hurt them. And what you've done in that moment, you've taken a confusing situation and you compound it with your foolishness. So here's the promise here, that even when people are doing that around me, Here's what I know. Okay, here's what God's called me to do. Here's what I'm supposed to be faithful to. Here's what his word says. And, and I promise you, I have seen this. For those who are willing to do that in those hard places, it brings some clarity. It brings something to hold on to. It, it brings that point of life that you go, okay, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I know what God's called me to do. And there's a straightness to your path. Likewise, he doesn't say he'll make your paths easy. So this isn't a promise that if you trust God, you're gonna have an easy life. Uh, let me tell you, Jesus's path was straight, but it led straight to a cross. But every step of that path, there was meaning, there was purpose. It, it led to something bigger that I think every single one of us craves more than anything else. And so, so there's this, this promise that's 
put into this proverb of if I'll trust God, not lean on the way I see life. Doesn't mean that life gets easy. Doesn't mean that, oh man, I just see through all the fog because other people are creating fog too. But there's a clarity to what I'm doing. And in the hard times, it helps me know how to take the next step the most. So how do we grow in trust? Let me give you just some practical as we finish out. How to grow in trust. One, you need to spend time with him. You don't trust people you don't know. It's a principle in life. You don't know somebody, you don't trust them. I mean, you, you get it all the time, don't you? Somebody online, they do a, a scam. They send you an email and what do they say? Hey, why don't you send me your banking information? Now, do you send it? Do you go, oh, okay, of course, here's my social security number. No, we've learned, hopefully we've learned, wisdom says we should learn. I can't trust them. I don't know who they are. Uh, same is true in your relationships. Same is true in your marriage. It's, it's when you know someone, you trust them and you don't know them if you don't spend time with them. And so part of the reason you keep reverting to your same operating system is you never hang out with God. You never spend time in his word. You're not letting it be that knowledge base. You're not personally interacting with him so that you can grow and trust that when the decision comes, it's because I've spent this time with God that I go, okay, I can trust God. Oh, I know what he says. I know what he thinks. And I trust that he has this for my good. You know, I, I told you last week, I just, again, if you weren't here or maybe if you didn't do it, an easy way to do this right now is just read through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Most months have 31 days or so. Just pick the chapter of what that day is. Today's the 24th, read Proverbs 24. Tomorrow's the 25th, read Proverbs 25. Even if you're starting today, start in 24. And just look at the calendar and read that Proverbs. And allow yourself to grow in wisdom during this time. Uh, second thing I'd say with it is review how he's been faithful in the past. It's interesting, especially with the children of Israel, how many times Moses, how many times others, they tell them, remember what God did. Remember how God led you. Remember how God showed up. Remember what he did in your life. And, and I, I would just challenge you, those, those places where maybe you find yourself at this hard place, you know God's called you to do something, you don't really wanna do it, doesn't feel right to your gut, but it's what he said. You know it'll be costly, maybe embarrassing. And in that moment, it's easy to kind of revert back to what I feel. Man, it, it is so good to step back and go down memory lane again and go, okay, wait a second. How's God led me in the past? How's God showed up before? You know, it's the same as a family or a couple. I don't know if you've ever done that where you just get out the, the photo album or you go online, you look at the pictures and we remember, oh, remember when we went on that vacation? Oh, remember when we did that? And, and it builds up that base again that you go, oh yeah, this relationship, it's been good. And I can trust. That there's value in stopping and remembering what God did in my life so that I can trust him as I make those decisions. As you do that as well, you gotta recognize what you need to let go. 
Usually when you're at this place where you gotta trust the Lord on a decision, you gotta trust the Lord on action, it's not just receiving what he's saying, it's letting go of what usually I hold on to. Those things that are my understanding. Letting go of the way I've done it in the past. Letting go of the old script. Letting go of listening to me. Uh, think of the story that uh, John Powell tells when his mother was elderly, she lived at their house. And at night, every night, he would have to carry her up the stairs to put her to bed. And every night they did the same thing. They'd get on the stairs and she would grab the banister. And as he's trying to go up the stairs, she'd hold on tight enough that they couldn't go. And he'd say, mom, you gotta let go. And she'd always say, I'm afraid you're gonna drop me. He says, you keep holding on and I will drop you. (laughs) You know, John said, every time I would see that, I'd think, why does she do this every night? And then he would ask himself, why do I do this with God all the time? Where God says, trust me, and, and I hold on to what I know, and hold on to what I'm going to do, and I hold on and I go, I'm scared. And at the core, I'm scared you don't have me. As John said, God loves me more than I even love my mother. And God loves you. And so maybe in that moment, as God's calling you to trust him, he brings to mind something that you go, I gotta let go. I can't keep holding on to this. Final thing I'd just say as you do this process is when he makes the path straight, follow it. Do it. Just do what he's calling you to do. Take the next step in it. You may not see beyond the next step. Take the next step. Do the next thing that he's made clear. Don't wait for all the steps. Take the next step though. And trust him in that. And and again, it may not be an easy path, but there's a clarity that comes in that. You know, years ago, there was a a friend of mine, a guy named Eric Strickland. This was back when we lived in Little Rock and Eric didn't go to our church, but he would come to the men's ministry every week. Big guy and he always brought a bunch of guys. Now I always loved seeing Eric, great guy. And after we had moved to California, somebody called me and they said, hey, Eric has brain cancer and it's bad. It's really bad. He probably doesn't have long. A few months later, I'd flown back to Little Rock to do some teaching. And I was in McDonald's one morning, I was drinking a cup of coffee and and suddenly this guy walks over to me that I didn't even recognize. It was Eric. All his hair was gone. You could see the impact of chemo. And, And as he introduced himself, he said, hey, I don't even remember me, I'm Eric. I was like, Eric. And I told him honestly, as he sat down, I said, honestly, I I didn't expect to see you. I didn't think you were still alive. And he said, yeah, nobody did. (laughs) He goes, I I take a pill once a week that costs about 8,500 a month. Doctors said I should have been gone, but I wake up every day and I get one more day. And, and he, as he's saying it, I'm like, I said, Eric, I'm so sorry. He said, hey, don't be sorry for me. He said, I, I would ask you pray for my wife, pray for my girls. He had two teenage girls. He loved. 
He, he said, but, but every day I always feel like the new day is like manna. He says, you remember manna? Remember the children of Israel, they went out every day and there was food to gather and it only was around for a day. He says, I view every day of my life as like manna. Oh, I get one more day. He says, I get one more day to love my girls. And Jesus told me pretty early on in this, Eric, don't waste a day. Tell people about Jesus every day. So he says, so I hang out in McDonald's all day. And I walk up to people and I sit at their table because nobody says no to a man who's about to die. And they actually listen to a man who's about to die. And I tell them about Jesus. He said, I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but right now I'm kind of in a win-win. I wake up in the morning and I go, oh, I won. I got one more day to love my girls and tell people about Jesus. And one of these days I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be with Jesus. Don't feel sorry for me. Now guys, I, I wouldn't wish his circumstances on anyone but I wish we all had his clarity. And, and some of you right now, you're not battling cancer, but you're battling confusion. You're battling foolishness. And, and I just challenge you, it's such a simple verse, but it's so profound. Trust the Lord in all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. In fact, we, we want to take a couple of minutes here as we finish. You know, I, I walked you through the way you grow in trust. And we want to spend some time trusting God more through the way that he gave us in communion. And so I'm going to ask you, would you just bow your head for a moment? Just Let's give ourselves a moment to reflect. And actually use this not just in the remembrance, but also as a trust exercise. A time to, to trust him that much more. And so as we spend this time collectively together, I, I would ask that you would recognize that you're actually in his presence too. And, and as you recognize, you know, I told you, remember what he's done for you. This is one of the greatest ways that we remember. Will you take a moment? And if Jesus is your savior, will you remember that he died on a cross for you? Will you remember he loved you that much? Will you remember he laid down his life? Maybe in this moment, God's bringing something to mind you need to let go. Something you're holding on to that you know right now he's saying, let it go. Lay it down. as you do this maybe in front of you right now you know the next step that you need to do would you make a commitment to him that you'll take that step for some it's a step of uh, going and asking for forgiveness 
For some, it's a step that you need to break a relationship you know that's not healthy. For some of you, maybe it's that first step of a relationship with Christ that you're recognizing you need God. You need the sacrifice that Jesus brings. And so maybe right now, the first step for you is just to recognize Jesus as Savior and embrace his gift of forgiveness for you. And for all of us who know Jesus as our Savior, I invite you to remember with me through the means that Christ gave us through communion. And so Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And then taking the cup, he said, this cup, it's the, it's the blood of a new covenant, a new relationship. So every time you eat this and every time you drink this, remember me. You drink with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Christ's sacrifice. We thank you because of what he did on the cross. We don't have to be afraid of you, but we are called to respect you. Lord, I pray that uh, even now, today, you've called people to let go of something. You've called people to take a next step. You've called people to face some of their foolishness. You've called all of us to trust you more. Lord, I pray as we remember Christ's sacrifice, we'll realize that a God that would sacrifice his son only has our good in mind. And we can trust you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.